Baltimore Ravens select Lamar Jackson, quarterback, Louisville. We are live. Welcome to the first ever episode of Inside the Bank, new podcast covering all things Baltimore Ravens. I'm your host, uh, Justin, uh, manager of at the Ravens Hub on Instagram. I'm joined by my co-host and good friend, Stephen. Uh, we're going to talk about the game that got away from us this past Wednesday in Heinz Field. But uh, before we start uh, going in depth with some of this analysis, uh, just want you to guys know uh, you can find our podcast on Anchor, Spotify. Uh, you can expect episodes to be uploaded on either Wednesdays or Saturdays, depending on when the game uh, happens. But, um, yeah, uh, let's jump right in. Um, Steven, I'm going to ask the first question. Uh, how do you think the Ravens handled their COVID-19 breakout in terms of the game plan and uh, their very little practice, if at all? Well, honestly, with COVID this year, it's something you have to deal with all across the league. And I think, honestly, we probably had the worst breakout of any team this entire season. So, I mean, considering especially Trace just coming off the COVID list himself, having very little time to practice, if none, honestly, like hardly any at all, I think we handled it pretty well. A little bit of better clock management here and there, a couple, couple better things worked out. I think we almost pull up a win there. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think it's crazy that we almost pulled off a win and we had like no practice and it was full of uncertainty going on with, you know, uh, new positives coming up. Like if you're a player, you don't know if like the next day you're going to get COVID or not. Like yep. there, there's there's some, I don't, I don't really want to call it fear. I just think it's there's a lot of anxiety uh, going around that. So I'm, I'm very happy with the way we played. But um, and honestly, I think it proved the Steelers – I mean, they're obviously a great team. They're 11-0, well, and 0, but I don't think they're as good as everyone plays them up to be if third-string Ravens almost came in and beat them at home. Right. And I have a hot take about that actually later. Um, so I, I'm, I'm going to save my uh, hot opinions for that. But um, when, I, when I think of, um, you know, how they handled it, uh, I think it, it was really, really cool to see how well we played with – just young guys and backups so maybe like veterans that haven't played in a while or um maybe some young guys that would have otherwise not gotten a chance um and like you said even though the Steelers are like like the, the Steelers are undefeated uh we were able to keep this uh like momentum rock or a, a hot momentum team in the Steelers to a one score game I think that's insane um and I, I also want to kind of point point a finger to the defense as like they played outstandingly well against a very good offense oh i like, entirely agree with that yeah like with with, with the steelers like you, you you can't deny that they've built a, a a really great offense at um pushing the ball downfield uh at their will like at, or at the expense of the defense as well and they were able to hold their own um uh, anything strike you about the game in particular, too, about uh, the defense or the offense? I mean, like you said, the defense is really solid. I mean, they they have a really talented receiving core, by the way. 
a little off topic here. The Ravens need to figure out a way to develop receivers like the Steelers do. We have a serious problem there. But, I mean, the offense really struggled. I think RG3, I don't know if he's it. I think he was trying to – he got a chance to prove himself there, but like we said, limited preparation. It's hard. I think Trace honestly got a lucky break on that one play to Hollywood, if I'm going to be honest. But, I mean, defense was great. Offense, we've seen that all year. They've struggled. I think the special teams played well. I mean, that's one of our scores was solely special teams, in my opinion. On the yeah. muffed punt by McLeod. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I can't – how could I forget that special teams? They played outstanding uh, this past game. Um, with that um, – Special with the special teams, um, you know, we hadn't really seen uh, many big splash plays from our special teams all season, which is very uncharacteristic of the Ravens. Um, and we were able to see them come out and play really well, um, especially with a bunch of ragtag guys. Um, and I, I, I kind of think of that uh, Devontae Harris um, play where uh, he was able the, the the returner, I believe Ray Ray McLeod, um, did not call for a fair catch. And um, Harris wisely uh, attacked the ball, got the ball out, and Levine picked it up. Um, that that also, I believe, is a testament to uh, John Harbaugh's background. Um, the the um, commentators kept saying that, you know, oh, John Harbaugh, or he used to be a special teams coordinator. And I mean, like, it, it, it's, a fair, it's a fair observation to make because, like, with um, a lot of these coaches, um, you, you're thinking like offensive-minded coaches or defense-minded coaches. Uh, John Harbaugh is that like jack-of-all-trades kind of coach, um, but specifically around special teams. And special teams does win you games, and it almost won us that game. And also on special teams, we can't forget that Morgan Cox was out. Backup center stepped up, and he did a pretty solid job because long snapper – it's not an easy position to just step in and fill a role, especially when you're playing in a big game, primetime game. First ever Wednesday game, I believe. Um, yeah, ever since, I believe, 2012. Don't quote me on that. But I think it's been a very long time since uh, a Wednesday game has been played. I think it's pretty impressive. I think all around it was a pretty good effort on the Ravens' part. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and you already mentioned um, the backup long snapper. Um, did any other backup or practice squad players uh, that got uh, some extended time on the field catch your attention, whether it be good or bad? I mean, Devontae Harris, as we mentioned. Um, unfortunately, Luke Wilson, I had high hopes. I thought he was kind of going to be more reliable, and that's kind of unfortunate. And Mika Fitzpatrick was covering him in that play. But if we would have come in with that one, you know, the result could have been different. I think if I had to spotlight someone, Tyus Bowser, he's been stepping up out recently. Not that he's a backup, but he's kind of been rocky for his first couple of years here. I mean, he's, what, two picks over the last two games? I mean, that's yeah. pretty solid. Yeah, I think this could if, – if you can uh, call back to uh, Kamale Correa, um, if you can remember him, um, what we did was we played him out of position. Uh, we tried to play him as this kind of like inside linebacker prototype when he was really more suited for an edge. And then that's, we, uh, we, we switched him back over to that edge spot and traded him to the Titans because he thrived in the postseason. He's now with the Jaguars, I believe, but still um, I think the same kind of similar scenario, we drafted Tyus Bowser and we tried to get him to be an edge. I just don't think that's the case. I think he's, better off as an off-ball linebacker and it's definitely showing these past few games he's got two straight interceptions in the past few games like you said like it's I I'm excited to see how Bowser finishes 
the season uh, with Don Martindale, who is a linebackers coach, by the way, before he was a defensive coordinator. Um, so he, he definitely understands Bowser really well. Um, I'm excited to see how that plays out. Um, somebody that I noticed um, that I wish, I wish got more time was Justice Hill. Um, ever since we drafted him, I've been really excited about him, uh, about Justice Hill. I, I, I really liked him coming out of the fourth round. Um, <clears throat> and he was uh, pivotal in our um, late game stretch last year um, when Ingram came out with an injury. But, um, you know, he's just a victim of numbers, but he definitely showed the numbers. The numbers didn't really show only nine attempts for 35 yards, um, about two catches for about nine. But I think with the limited action he got, I still think um, – he demonstrated uh, effective maneuverability and that elusiveness that we drafted him to be. He's a very uh, home run hitter as in the fact that uh, every time he gets the ball in his hands, uh, he's got the speed to go to distance. Uh, he definitely showed it there with his speed, but I think what I saw more was his, uh, like I said, his elusiveness, uh, his ability to uh, just make guys look silly. Um, uh, yeah. I have, I have tremendous respect for Hill. I mean, he came in in a fortunate situation. We run the ball the most in the league. I mean, we have extremely talented backfield, and he's he's had to be a, he's a gunner. He's had to make his way on special teams in order just to get on the field. And I I respect him for just putting in, coming to jack of all trades, kind of just to stay on the roster. And he's getting his chance now a little bit. And you're right, he's kind of got that dog in him. Right. Uh. Yeah. And especially with the Ravens, uh, they've kind of preached this. Uh, if you're not on the field, you got to earn your keep on uh, special teams. Uh, that's how Judon was in his uh, first couple seasons, uh, when we had uh Suggs and uh Doomerville uh out wide. Um, but yeah, that that's what the Dra- the Ravens draft for. They draft for these guys with that attitude in them, and the, they're ready to help their team win no matter what. And I have not heard once Justice Hill complain about being the fourth running back on the roster so I think things are looking up for him and I think that also begs the question with how well Justice Hill played what does that mean for Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram next season because uh, there's been talk that Mark Ingram could be a potential cap cut next season and Gus Edwards is an impending free agent um, so and and you look at how um, they played J.K. Dobbins is uh, coming up um, Gus Edwards didn't really have that much going against the Steelers, but um, he's otherwise proved to be really good. Uh, who do you think's the odd man out in this uh, running back room? So I kind of I agree with you. I I, li- I love Ingram. I love his energy. I think some other guys need to step up in his place leadership wise, but he's on the wrong side of thirty. I think it's time to time to move on from Ingram. In my opinion. I think Gus can be the power back. Dobbins third down back all around, and he'll you said spark lightning in a bottle i think the three-headed monster you could have there could be insane right i think i think ingram's cap cut this season yeah and it it stinks because you know i love i love the ingram signing uh it's looking me a little bit to love it because i was still a little bit salty about Le'Veon bell now i'm not (laughs) i'm i'm very happy we opted for ingram and not bell um considering how that's happened um but you know, with, with Ingram, uh, you can definitely see that um, age is starting to hit. Um, I think that's why we drafted Dobbins. Um, Gus Edwards is probably not your ideal, you know, like three down or every down back. 
Uh, I mean, he obviously played really well against the Steelers last year in that kind of role. But, I mean, for 16 games, I wouldn't feel confident in Edwards being the starter. <clears throat> I think he's he thrives off of uh, situational football, uh, especially being like – you know how Derrick Henry um, closes out games? He gets stronger as the game continues mm-hmm. because – defenses get tired and they don't want to tackle this like however tall he is monster you know it's it's hard to do that and he just gets energized as the game going I guess Edwards kind of reminds me of that uh and the way that we've been using him too when we've had all four running backs active which has been very seldom this season um you know we we tend to use him near the end of the game because he is a little bit on the taller side and he's got that power to him um so yeah, definitely. Um, I definitely would like to keep Gus and re-sign him. Uh, it just depends on what he thinks. Um, he thinks his worth is, and I think it all that comes down to. And then I think the Ravens will pick between Ingram or Gus. So if Gus ends up thinking that he can be a starter elsewhere, uh, which I really wouldn't blame him. I mean, I think he's done a lot in the snaps that he's been given. But if we were able to re-sign him for the right price. And DeCosta's really good at that, so he could probably figure something out. But, um, you know, if we're able to get in- Edwards back, that means Ingram's out. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to actually uh, – we were talking about the backup long snapper. That's not an easy position to just come in and start right away. Think about center. You know, Tristan Cole and Castillo, I believe is his, uh, that's how you pronounce his last name. Um, undrafted rookie um, – no starting experience whatsoever comes in and plays against one of the nastiest defensive lines of football in the Pittsburgh Steelers. Not once did I see a messed up snap. I did nope. not see a single messed up snap at all. Nope. Not like Skura and uh, the inconsistencies of the entire offensive line. I think he came out. He's was one of the bright spots of that offensive line, in my opinion, last night or um, Wednesday. Um, I mean, I think, like when people kind of like think of like you know like uh these 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 backups they tend to look more towards the skill position players i think it's important to kind of look towards how tristan played um in a season we've had a lot of inconsistency with the offensive line um castillo played a very very solid game for his first ever nfl start um and i mean i want to say i didn't expect this but i i kind of did we we the Ravens are an organization that thrives off of undrafted free agency. They always find a gem mm-hmm. or more. And we definitely, I think the potential is there for Tristan Colin Castillo. Um, and, so, and if, you know, like if the O-line continues playing consistent, I think he could maybe find a spot on the offensive line later this season. What do you think? So I think he definitely deserves an opportunity. I don't know if we could, I mean, he's obviously got potential, as we saw on Wednesday. But I don't know if we can sell on the position yet. I honestly think we're going to have to go early in the draft next year, inside interior line, in my opinion. But, I mean, if we give him a chance and he proves himself, I'd be perfectly fine with having him be our starting center. I mean, if he can step up to the occasion. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially with that. And uh, I also really like Makari as a center. Um, I think Makari has definitely proven his worth, too uh in terms of consistency so i think it'll be interesting kind of how the ravens play this out because Makari's coming off of the covid list um and depending on how much practice he gives we could see colin castillo with his 
second start next season or uh, next game. But um, yeah, and uh, for my final guy that I was interested about, uh, we've already mentioned him before, but uh, I kind of want to go a little bit more in depth on Devonte Harris. Um, for a waiver claim from the Bron- Broncos that many Broncos fans said was he did not play very well for them. Um, he came out. And he played really well against, like you said, this 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 really talented Steelers wide receiver core, and Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, some of the hardest guys to guard against. And um, on routes where it seemed like he was beat, uh, specifically, I point to one where uh, I believe it was Deontay Johnson uh, looked like he had him beat, but Devontae Harris played the route really well. He sat and he waited for. Uh, when Ben threw the high high ball to him, he had to jump up and grab it and just knocked it knocked it out of his hands. Uh, that's like a textbook um, pass defense. I mean, you could not get much better than that. Um, so I'm interested to see how Devontae Harris's role kind of goes forward, um, especially with uh, Jimmy Smith uh, not looking too hot. Um, he is declared out in the game really early, never a good sign. Um, you know, and there's just a lot of uncertainty. I know Anthony Averett's coming back. That's good. But, um, I think the way Devontae Harris played, um, it, it'll be interesting to see if the Ravens want to kind of see more of him. But, uh, also remember they signed, uh, Pierre Desir, um, from, he was former Colt, got released, went to the Jets, and then got released by the Jets. Um, so, uh, we'll, we'll see. I think, this year could play more of a, uh, uh, slot kind of role, but, uh, what are your thoughts on, uh, the future, uh, for this season, at least of the cornerback room? Honestly, if I'm going to be honest, I really don't like Anthony Everett. I'm not a big fan. Um, I'd like to see a competition there between Harris and this year. I think a lot of this year's interceptions this year come because he's been targeted a lot, which is not necessarily for the best reasons, but also, Ravens always tend to have a pretty decent secondary, so I think you get a little more development here too. I'd like to see a competition between them, let them kind of figure it out, because this is kind of a – I'm not even really counting this year anyway. This year is kind of out the window. But um, I think hopefully Young can come back, be off injury, stay healthy, but it's always a question with him. So I'd like to have a solid backup in case something happens. Right. Yeah. I, and I have been a Tavon Young truther in addition to a Justice Hill one, but um, you, you've got to start to think, you know, we did sign Tavon Young to that extension, but patience is thin in the NFL. And if Tavon Young keeps getting injured, uh, you know, DaCosta uh, might look for his replacement and we, who knows, we might've already found it in Devontae Harris or Pierre Desir or whoever. At the same time, um, we can't forget the cornerback class this year, which I don't know that we, sh- we shouldn't target that early, but it's deep in the draft this year. There's a deep okay. cornerback class. And uh, it seems that every year the Ravens uh, do uh, take a, a look at uh, taking cornerback, typically around the mid-rounds, um, maybe aside from the Marlon Humphrey pick in 2017. But uh, you know, we've, we've always uh, kind of had that connection to – taking a mid-round cornerback that maybe not a lot of scouts thought would play very well and develop him. Um, so there's always that. Uh, and we could find that his replacement there. But, um, yeah, with, with, with uh, all of this, all these uh, impressive players uh, stepping up against the, the, the Steelers, um, 
I'd like to shift our attention to kind of like the, the state of the Ravens in general or about uh, this past game regarding hot takes. Uh, do you have any hot takes about what happened um, this past Wednesday or about the state of the Ravens or the future of the season? Yeah, you have anything Honest, that you see for us? Honestly, it gave – it's really a hot take. I don't know. It gave me a new appreciation for Lamar. I mean, I'm probably – I'm a huge Lamar supporter, let's be honest. I have a reason for that, a little more personal. <laughs> but a little biased. But um, RG3 couldn't get it going. Let's, let's be honest. Trace, you saw the one interception that Minka dropped that should have ended that whole drive as it is. Hollywood honestly only scored because Edmonds made a horrible play in the secondary. I mean, Yeah, I don't know what the heck what he was doing. He dove at nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I mean, good on Hollywood. It's good to see him produce. And I'm this is a question marks with Hollywood too. And I'm a Hollywood fan, but gave me a new appreciation for Lamar, and it told me we need to surround him with a playmaker because otherwise this is not going to go anywhere. Yeah, um, I definitely agree with that that sentiment. Um, that, uh, this did give me a little bit more of an appreciation for how much Lamar does for this offense, and I also think you also got to think about if Lamar's been doing this with this offense imagine what he could do with some more weapons and i think the cost is probably this cost priority has a master plan and he's way more smarter than me but uh he's probably got a plan and i would very much say that the ravens go into this offseason with a different mindset we've always been a defensive football club uh, a lot of good defensive talent has walked these halls but I think it's time to shift the attention to Lamar Jackson. I think we've got a generational talent, Lamar Jackson. I think I would, I would not be surprised if maybe we throw some money at a big time wide receiver or uh, we get a little aggressive with uh, some of the wide receivers in this class. Um, but, uh, or try and find some offensive line talent. Um, I would not be upset with either. I think, our first round pick is has to either be offensive lineman or a wide receiver. Oh, a hundred percent. I don't think the Ravens are technically, or I guess you could see that they always do a best player available, but I think at this point you have to build around Lamar Jackson, no matter what. Yeah. Um, so I definitely would not be um, surprised to see that. But speaking of Eric DaCosta, I think this game, th- this past Wednesday game really proved uh, how great of a general manager Eric DaCosta is behind the scenes we'll see like these big trades which is, like the ravens trade a third round pick for yannick and like that's a great trade um you know everybody's like oh Eric costas is a great gm um some of his moves kind of go under the radar with depth signings uh i think mm-hmm. his roster building as a whole really proved itself last or wednesday uh, to be able to to, to keep this uh, undefeated Steelers team to a one-square game uh, with backups and practice squad players. Uh, that's a sign of good scouting. Uh, that's a good sign of good evaluation. It's a sign of good coaching, and it's a sign of good front office skills. Yep. Oh, I, that's a good point. I like that. Um, so uh, with that, um, I'm interested to hear with our final question um, – who is your midseason MVP? And I have a feeling we both might have the same answer here, but I'm, I'm, I'm willing to hear yours first, Steven. Do we want to go offensive and defensive? Sure. Let's go. So, well, I think we should go rookie of the year too because this person almost is my MVP, but not quite. 
Defensive, definitely Marlon Humphrey, especially when he's been on the field. I mean, I think he's going to become one of the premier household names in the NFL in a year or so here, maybe even sooner than that. I mean, punch out. Punch out Humphrey. Yeah. If we're going to go offense, uh, it's got to be. It's got to be LJ. I yeah. mean, we just argued. I mean, he has, he has no weapons. And he's, he's still done a pretty decent job this year. And a lot of the – so this maybe the Steelers game earlier this year, you want to pin it on him, okay. But a lot of our struggles this year, you can't blame on him. A lot of it is play calling. A lot of it is no weapons. So there's a lot of problems with this offense, and it is not him. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, we can get to rookie of the year in a second, but uh, I, I kind of want to comment on your picks. Uh, for defensive player of the year, uh, definite, or defensive MVP, definitely uh, Marlon Humphrey. Uh, he leads the league in forced fumbles with six, and that's by two. Uh, the rest have four, and they're all primarily edge rushers or defensive linemen. That I think that's insane of how good of a ball player he is, and how much he's studied that punch out. Uh, you know, it's you don't see cornerbacks as old school as Marlon Humphrey gets. Plays yeah. all over the field, slot outside wherever you want him to play, and he's ready to make a play uh, anytime the ball comes his way. Uh, it's it's, it's crazy that we've almost become accustomed to – I mean, you see him punch it out on Juju like three times per game. It's like – I mean, that's awesome to see. I mean, I'm a Juju fan, but I hate the Steelers. And, <laughs> I mean, every single week you see him bang, bang. It's like, all right, that's normal. That's crazy. That's normal to us. Yeah, it's 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 uh that definitely something that we think uh we're accustomed to and other teams or other, other fans kind of watch and uh, – They'll be like, well, why? Why isn't he just tackling him? Okay, why isn't he just doing a standard textbook rap takedown? Uh, it's because the Ravens are so good at forcing turnovers that their tackling style is so much different from other teams because we have the talent. Um, and Marcus Peters is a turnover machine. Uh, he reads the he reads the quarterback really well. Um, he takes some calculated risks. Marlon Humphrey knows uh, the inner workings of how each uh, receiver, running back that he's playing against, holds the ball in their hands. And he's that's that's why he's able to um, you know make some of these plays is because he studies uh, he studies his own technique and he studies other people's technique. I'm sure. Um, so I, I think it's definitely really, really um, interesting and, uh, you know, something that's a little bit old school that you don't really see. Martin Humphrey is that really old school thumping run support tackler uh, that can make a play when needed. Um, to then to go to offensive MVP, this is where we did agree. Um, Lamar Jackson is definitely the MVP. Like, a, like, I, like I said earlier about how he doesn't have weapons he's been doing this. I mean, you, yeah, like you said, this, the Steelers game when he started. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it is what it is. I mean, but according to the media, Lamar Jackson is the only quarterback not allowed to have a good game he, or a bad game. Um, you know, if, if Patrick Mahomes has a bad game, all of a sudden it's, <clears throat> oh, the offense around him didn't play well. Or, oh, my God, his defense atrocious. I mean – you know, with Lamar Jackson, you can't throw the ball to a receiver you don't trust, okay? He obviously doesn't trust Miles Boykin. He wants to trust Hollywood, and that's why he puts Hollywood in good positions to make plays. And I'm not, gonna call, I'm, I'm not in a position to call out people on their lack of effort or lack of heart, but just from a fan watching on the couch perspective, it does not look like Hollywood's putting in that much effort. Um, Especially there, there's a couple throws that Lamar is making that Hollywood could 
possibly make a catch. And it would probably be a little bit hard to make that catch, but I still think he should at least try. And, I mean, I guess you can make the argument that with his frame, he doesn't want to get injured. And I, for uh, the most part, I could agree with that. I, I would prefer receivers to not just go out of bounds. I want them to get the extra yards. But with Hollywood, that's the only exception because he's so small. But, um, you know, just laying out for – something as simple as laying out for the football um, – that's something, you know, I wish he did. Uh, it's not something that's not fixable, which is why I can't wait for this offseason because I, I'm sure – because since Lamar and Hollywood are such good friends, and um, if I can recall, Lamar uh, – Eric DaCosta called Lamar and asked him which receiver he wanted mm-hmm. us to take. If he wanted us to wait for Judy or take Hollywood, he said take Hollywood. So I'm sure Lamar isn't just going to let that be a mistake. He wants to help that. And I'm sure Hollywood doesn't want that to be a mistake either. I mean, yeah. you know, I could criticize his lack of effort, but that doesn't mean I'm criticizing his lack of heart. I'm sure he wants to play. Really no, hard. I mean, we saw this offseason. He, he clearly he put in the work. I think yeah. he just needs to figure it out during the season. He needs to figure it out on the field. You yes. can put in all the work you want off the field, but if you can't get it together, there's no point in being a practice player. Exactly. Like, he did so much work on his body this offseason, which was a great move. But I think this offseason, he should work us on the mechanics of, like, let's say, route running, uh, his ability uh, to get yards after the catch, um, catching. I think a lot of the issues with Hollywood is um, mental. Um, I kind of got off track here, so I'm going to try and get back on track and talk about Lamar Jackson and Hollywood. <laughs> but um, with, uh, yeah, with Lamar Jackson, uh, you can't throw to receivers you don't trust. And, um, that's why you'll see that he typically likes to throw it to Mark Andrews and Willie Snead is because those are the only surefire receivers that he's got that could probably haul in a football um, for the most part. Um, and then, of course, Ronnie Stanley uh, gets hurt. Um, he was definitely huge in Lamar Jackson uh, blindside protection. Now Lamar doesn't know who's coming behind him. I mean, not saying that Orlando Brown isn't a good left tackle, which he is. I think he's a better left tackle than he is a right tackle. But you still can't – it's kind of like trying to replace Marshall Yanda. You can't replace Marshall Yanda. Losing mm-hmm. Marshall Yanda sucks. Losing Ronnie Stanley sucks. So now you're losing those two bona fide starters this season. Um, and you're playing with backups and just, you know, I mean – it's just it's just hard for a quarterback like Jackson who needs time, um, but uh, I think if we focus on the offense, he can definitely return to his MVP numbers. Um, you want to talk about rookie of the year? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'm do both sides of the ball again. Defense, Patrick Queen. He's had his ons and offs, but altogether, I I think he's almost in the conversation for rookie of the year. Defenses besides, I mean, this young Winfield. There's a lot of guys ahead of him, Julian Blackman. But as far as Ravens goes, he's, I think he's definitely our defensive MVP, rookie of the year. And offensive, I'd have to give it to my guy Dobbins. I think he's done a pretty decent job stepping up when he can, and he's in a crowded backfield. I think if we put him in a couple other situations on a couple of different teams, he's doing even better right now. But I think, I think like we said earlier, he's, he's one of the future players of this team, future stars. Yeah. I I agree with everything you just said there. I do not disagree with anything uh, there because I think this draft was a slam dunk draft. I think we got some really good players. Um, and you could make an argument for some of these players on offensive and defensive too. Um, and in the defense rookie of the year uh, 
in terms of the NFL wide kind of reminds me of a 2014 Mosley uh, Aaron Donald situation where Mosley was really, really good his rookie year. But when the Rams draft somebody like Aaron Donald, that's generational, probably already a lock for the Hall of Fame. It's just really hard to compete with that. So this this, this draft was a really good draft for defensive players. Um, I think as a Ravens fan, I'm biased. I want Patrick Queen to win that Rookie of the Year award, but it's really hard to when you're playing against guys like or, or you're competing against guys like um, Chase Young. He's having a, a stellar year, what everybody expected him to do, and uh, Julian Blackman who uh, came up and proven his worth. Jeremy Chin of the Panthers. Um, you know, there's a lot of good defensive backs this year and edge rushers that it's just really hard to, um, you know, uh, carve out your name and some of this stuff. But I still think Queen's rookie season is definitely up to the standard of what the Ravens would like when you only draft two other first round linebackers and Ray Lewis and CJ Moose. Um, and then as for Dobbins, uh, yeah, I, I do agree. Dobbins, um, Actually, in the offseason, I've said before that I think Dobbins had a chance to lead all uh, Raven running backs in uh, rushing yards, which at the time was a hot take considering that Mark Ingram came off that amazing, spectacular feature back season where he had over 1,000 yards and about over 10 touchdowns. Um, And he looked like he was going to be the starter. Um, So it it came out and people might have said like, oh, I don't, I don't think he has a chance. Dobbins might be good, but he doesn't have a chance. I think that that might seriously have a chance now uh, Mm -hmm. if he comes back and he finishes the stretch. But um, yeah. And then you could also make a case for Duvernay as a kick returner and a um, uh, wide receiver, which I wish we would use Duvernay more, Mm -hmm. uh, especially on screens. um, Cause uh Duvernay's, Duvernay's got that perfect build to just catch a screen and take it maybe six extra yards mm-hmm. than maybe somebody else would. Um, so I think you could make an argument for Duvernay there, but uh, I think we need to see more of him. Uh, he might be actually a very rare hit pick uh, for wide receiver for the Ravens because mm-hmm. they have a very poor time uh, evaluating and um, developing wide receivers. Um but hopefully that gets fixed sooner than later. Um, before we end, do you have anything uh, that you just want to finish up? Any concluding statements, Stephen? Just in general, we need to address the receiver position in these last four games. I'd like to see a lot less Miles Boykin, a lot more Des Bryant, Devin Duvernay, and James Prochet. Definitely. I, I agree with that. I think we should take the rest of the season to um, – you know, figure out uh, how to uh, figure out what receivers we have, what works, and what doesn't. I think it, this should this final part of the season we should experiment. Um, but as for that, uh, that's it for today's first episode of the Inside the Bank podcast. Uh, again, don't forget to find us on Anchor, Spotify, uh, hopefully some more platforms soon. Um, if you liked what you heard, uh, you can find me on Instagram with my handle at the Raven Sub. Uh, be sure to follow our up-to-date uh, Ravens news and exclusive analysis. Uh, major thanks to my friend Steven for agreeing to be my co-host. Uh, we appreciate the opening support and are glad to take you with us on this ride. Until the next time on Inside the Bank.